A man named Lazarus, who lived in Bethany, became sick. Bethany was the town where Mary and her sister Martha lived. This Mary was the one who poured the perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. It was her brother, Lazarus, who was sick. The sisters sent Jesus the message. Lord, your dear friend is sick. When Jesus heard it, he said, The final result of this sickness will not be the death of Lazarus. This has happened in order to bring glory to God, and it will be the means by which the Son of God will receive glory. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Yet when he received the news that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. Then he said to his disciples, Let us go back to Judea. Teacher, just a short time ago the people there wanted to stone you. And are you planning to go back? A day has twelve hours, doesn't it? So those who walk in broad daylight do not stumble, for they see the light of this world. But if they walk during the night, they stumble because they have no light. Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. But I will go and wake him up. If he is asleep, Lord, he will get well. Jesus meant that Lazarus had died, but they thought he meant natural sleep. So Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. But for your sake, I am glad that I was not with you, so that you will believe. Let us go to him. Thomas, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us all go along with the teacher, so that we may die with him. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had been buried four days before. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Judeans had come to see Martha and Mary to comfort them about their brother's death. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed in the house. If you had been here, Lord, my brother would not have died, but I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask him for. Your brother will rise to life. I know that he will rise to life on the last day. I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me will live, even though they die. And those who live and believe in me will never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world? After Martha said this, she went back and called her sister Mary privately. The teacher is here and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up and hurried out to meet him. Jesus had not yet arrived in the village, 
but was still in the place where Martha had met him. The people who were in the house with Mary comforting her followed her when they saw her get up and hurry out. They thought that she was going to the grave to weep there. Mary arrived where Jesus was, and as soon as she saw him, she fell at his feet. you buried him. Come and see, Lord. Jesus wept. See how much he loved him, the people said. But some of them said, he gave sight to the blind man, didn't he? Could he not have kept Lazarus from dying? Deeply moved once more, Jesus went to the tomb, which was a cave with a stone placed at the entrance. Take the stone away. That would be a bad spell, Lord. He has been buried four days. Didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believed? After he had said this, he called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! and feet wrapped in grave clothes and with a cloth round his face.
untie him and let him go. Many of the people who had come to visit Mary saw what Jesus did, and they believed in him. But some of them returned to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. So the Pharisees and the chief priests met with the council and said, What shall we do? Look at all the miracles this man is performing. If we let him go on in this way, everyone will believe in him. The Roman authorities will take action and destroy our temple and our nation. One of them, named Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, said, What fools you are! Don't you realize that it is better for you to have let one man die for the people instead of having the whole nation destroyed? Actually, he did not say this of his own accord. Rather, as he was high priest that year, he was prophesying that Jesus was going to die for the Jewish people, and not only for them, but also to bring together into one body all the scattered people of God. From that day on, the Jewish authorities made plans to kill Jesus. So Jesus did not travel openly in Judea, but left and went to a place near the desert to a town named Ephraim, where he stayed with his disciples. The time for the Passover festival was near, and many people went up from the country to Jerusalem to perform the ritual of purification before the festival. They were looking for Jesus, and as they gathered in the temple, they asked one another, What do you think? Surely he will not come to the festival, will he? The chief priests and the Pharisees had given orders that if anyone knew where Jesus was, he must report it so that they could arrest him. Today, we pass the halfway mark in our journey through the Gospel of John, proclaiming the unsearchable riches of Christ each Sunday, declaring a different aspect of the nature and character of Christ. It's my desire as a church that we not only know him, but we are able to proclaim him to a world that does not know him. Who wants to be able to proclaim him? So today we're going to focus on a different aspect of Jesus and his ministry. Verse 45 comes at the end of this amazing story, uh, the seventh major miracle in this book before Jesus goes to Jerusalem to die for the sins of the world. It's about three months before he faces his own execution, and he tells his disciples, I'm glad this is happening for your good, because he's going to demonstrate to them that he has power over death to give them faith for when he would face death. But needless to say, their faith fell apart. And they recall later what he had done. So we have the four Gospels. And this story is an amazing story. Uh, Bethany is where it happens. It's a town two miles from Jerusalem. It's on the other side of the Mount of Olives going to the west. It is close enough to Jerusalem where people who knew Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, who were from Jerusalem, were able to go over the Mount of Olives or around it and go there and comfort them. And so the story takes place the time of Lazarus getting sick, and then four days later, his resurrection. And so on this fourth day, there's people there from Jerusalem who had heard the news. They were there comforting them. And when Mary gets up and runs to Jesus, they follow her thinking she's going to the grave. And she went straight to Jesus, and then together they went to the grave. And so these people from Jerusalem, which was a city that was very hostile to Jesus, 
and to his ministry, followed them there to the tomb and saw the resurrection. And verse 45 of John 11 says that many of the Jews who had come to Mary, that is those people from Jerusalem, and had seen the things Jesus did, believed in him. So many of them began to believe in Jesus, but not all of them. Verse 46, but some of them went away to the Pharisees and told them the things Jesus did. You know, the world's full of kiss-ups and tattletales and people who for their own gain attempt to undermine something that's good for everyone. Verse 47, then the chief priests, that is the religious authorities in the land, and the Pharisees gathered a council and said, what shall we do? For this man works many signs. Verse 48, if we let him alone like this, everyone will believe in him. And the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. They were upset not just at the miracle of Jesus, which discredited their discrediting of him, but that he didn't abide by their additional rules that they had added to the law of Moses. He dared to make clay and make a blind man dirty on the Sabbath day and then heal him and send him on a journey. He dared heal a lame man on the Sabbath day and tell him to carry his bed around. This man must be stopped. Our whole system of religion is going to fall apart if we let this pass. Things are going to get out of control. So just as people do when they're upset, they exaggerate things. If we let this man go, he's going to destroy us. The Romans are going to come and take away our place in our nation. It's ironic. It actually did happen. Less than 40 years later, Romans came in and destroyed the city of Jerusalem, scattered Jews everywhere, and the temple doesn't exist to this day. There's two mosques up there. So they're upset. We're going to lose our place. Obviously, they were threatened because they had a money-making venture going on. Verse 49, one of them, Caiaphas, being high priest that year, said to them, you know nothing at all. Nor do you consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people and not that the whole nation should perish. In other words, you guys are shook up for nothing. All we have to do to prevent this problem is remove the source of the problem. Now this, verse 51, he did not say on his own authority, but being high priest that year, he prophesied, unknowing to him, that Jesus would die for the nation, and not for that nation only, but also that he would gather together in one the children of God who were scattered abroad. Then from that day on they plotted to put him to death. Therefore Jesus no longer walked openly among the Jews, but went from there into the country near the wilderness to a city called Ephraim, and there remained with his disciples. And the Passover of the Jews was near. This is Christ's final Passover before his crucifixion. Actually, it's, it's when he was going to be crucified. It was near, and many went from the country up to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. So they're getting ready for these holy days. Verse 56, Then they sought Jesus and spoke among themselves as they stood in the temple. What do you think? That he will not come to the feast? Now both the chief priests and the Pharisees had given a command that if anyone knew where he was, he should report it that they might seize him. Unknown to them, their resistance was going to be used by God to serve his purposes. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we pray that we would understand your purposes will not be thwarted no matter who resists you. 
I pray, Lord, that every person here would be encouraged by this word, that every shred of unbelief and inaccurate teaching would be corrected in each of our hearts and our minds. Give us ears to hear what you are saying. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to focus again on what Caiaphas said. You know nothing at all, verse 50, nor do you consider that it is expedient. Can we say expedient? It is expedient for us that one man should die for the people and not that the whole nation should perish. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son so that whoever believes in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. It is expedient for us that God sent His Son to die for our sins so that we not have to perish eternally in our sins. So unknown to him, Caiaphas, being a high priest, prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation, verse 52, and not for that nation only, but also that he would gather together in one the children of God who were scattered abroad. And based on what he said, they officially began to plot to put Jesus to death. In the last verse in chapter 11, both the chief priests... And the Pharisees had given a command that if anyone knew where he was, he should report it that they might seize him. God's purposes will not be thwarted. Amen. I have to speak to you this morning on the subject, Jesus is in control. Can we say that? Any chess players in the house? A really good chess player is able to take your move and use it to his or her advantage. God is like that. He is like the most ultimate strategist. He obviously has omniscience. He has foreknowledge. He knows what we're going to do. He doesn't remove from us the ability to make choices, but he does stack the deck. He does know what we're going to move. This room is filled with people that maybe ran from the purposes of God, but here we are. Because God kept after us to wake us up, to open our eyes, the Holy Spirit's in the earth, to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Because God has a purpose that is fulfilled. And He is not wringing His hands. Oh my goodness, there's sin in the earth. What are we going to do? He has a purpose and He knows. You can throw the worst curve at Him and He's going to hit a home run. He is in control. How is He in control and why? Four things. Number one, He is our Creator. Are there any builders in the house? When you build something, you don't just build it to build it. You build it for a purpose, right? When we built this building, we built it for a purpose. We didn't create it. We didn't create the raw materials that God gave us. But certain people with skills and certain companies in place took the raw materials and made two-by-fours and made sheetrock. And, and together, these things went to this property, and we built a building for a purpose. If you... Put together a puzzle. It may be for the purpose of just solving the mystery of what the puzzle would look like. It may just be for the purpose of your enjoyment. God's purpose ultimately leads to His pleasure, the pleasure of His will being done. And so no matter what is done, His purposes are going to be accomplished. Now, don't take me wrong. I'm not saying He wills for everything that's done in the earth that's going to be done. That's dumb. That's, that's what you call hyper-Calvinism. Everything that happens is God's will. Oh, you got raped? Oh, it was God's will. No, it was 
wasn't God's will. That's sin. That's contrary to God's will. But God is able to take us no matter what has happened and heal us and use us for his glory to bring comfort to a hurting generation. Use it for his glory. He is our creator. John 1 begins with the promise that he was in the world. Speaking of Jesus, the world was made through him and the world did not know him. He was a creator. He made the world for a purpose and he came to redeem that purpose. Romans 11.36 says, For of him, speaking of Jesus, and through him and to him are all things. Can we say all things? All things are from him. People often try to pervert his purposes, but his purposes will not be perverted. They may deviate people from God's timing in their life, but you know what? God took it all into account, and he's bringing us to full surrender to his will. To whom be glory forever. Amen. Revelation 4.11 says, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. God created everything for His will. And everything still exists. He sustains the universe because of His will. Can we say the will of God? God has a will. And it will not be thwarted. It will come to pass. He created time, past, present, future, and He uses it for His glory. He uses time to mature children. He uses time to ripen fruit. He uses time to bring value to relationships and antiques. And He uses time for His purposes. Your life may be a mess right now. Give God some time and you will see His purposes established in the earth through you. He's a creator. He's not a deistic God. The deistic version of God is he's like the watchmaker that made the watch, wound it up, and just left it run. No, his will is accomplished. He's got a purpose. And everything, I want to reiterate this, everything that happens is not his will, but everything that happens is going to be used for his will. Amen? Did you hear about the hyper-Calvinist that walked across an empty field and stepped on the tongues of, of a rake and it flipped up and hit him in the nose? He said, ouch. Boy, I'm glad that part of my life is over. Number two, Jesus is in control because he's smarter than anybody. He's wisest of all. He declared himself to be greater than Solomon. Solomon was known as the wisest man that ever lived. And look what his wisdom got him. Read Ecclesiastes. brought him great unhappiness because outside of pursuing the purposes of God life is not fulfilling things are not going to work in the long run may as well surrender first Corinthians 1 30 says of him you are in Christ Jesus who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption so Christ is our wisdom and He is our righteousness. That is, He is the reason we have a relationship with God that is right. He is our sanctification. He's the one that's purifying us. I don't talk like I used to. I don't walk like I used to. I'm not what I'm going to be, but I'm not what I was because He's sanctifying me. And redemption. I am His. I have been purchased. Nobody can snatch me out of His hand. Verse 31. As it is written, Let him who glories glory in the Lord. When you give your testimony, be careful 
that you don't give glory to the ability to make the right choice. None of us have enough sense to get in out of the rain if God doesn't give us the grace to make the right choice. He gets all glory. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 7 says, We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. If they knew what they were doing, they were exposing the bankruptcy of their religion. They were setting the stage because the veil in the temple was going to be ripped from the top to the bottom, exposing the fact that the Ark of the Covenant wasn't there anymore. Their religion was bankrupt. It was just a business. In fact, the chief priests didn't even believe in the resurrection. The Pharisees did. They hated each other, but boy, they had a common enemy in Jesus, and this united them to fulfill the purposes of God because God is in control. Amen? Jesus is in control because God has a purpose. Can we say purpose? Purpose, purpose. Proverbs 16, 4, Solomon wrote, The Lord has made all for himself, yes, even the wicked, for the day of doom. When he pours out his wrath, he's going to display his glory. I don't want to be that kind of person. Amen. Thank God he's making us what he wants us to be. And I love Romans 8, 28. Don't let anybody explain it away or try to rob this promise of its power. We know that all things, can we say all things? All things work together. All things work together for good. To those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. For whom He foreknew, these He also called. Whom He called, these He also predestined to be conformed to the image of Jesus. What is the good purpose? It's conforming us to the image of Jesus. It's not my pleasure, it's His. His image is being formed in us and He is using everything in our lives towards that end. So everything is working out. Everything. Keep your faith in Him. Romans 9.21, What if God, wanting to show His wrath and to make His power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath prepared for destruction, and that He might make known the riches of His glory on the vessels of mercy, which He prepared beforehand? God's glory is going to be revealed in His wrath and in His mercy. We are going to see God for who He is before all of this is over. And it's His desire that we walk in alignment with that sooner than later. The Bible says the way of transgressors is hard. Living a life of obedience is not always easy. But I tell you what, living a life of transgression and sin ultimately is always hard. So the sooner we line up with His purposes, the better. He's in control anyway. Let's let Him be. Amen? Jesus is in control because we are not in control. We are not. Thinking you're in control is just an illusion. Watch this. In 2012, last year, a survey was taken revealing an alarming perspective on the decline of America's confidence in itself in our traditional sources for values government, family, celebrities, leaders, and even faith in God. But according to the poll, we still have confidence in ourselves. 
69% of those surveyed said that American values have declined since the 70s. 63% believe this decline was due to political corruption. 61% believe this decline is due to too much focus on money and material things. 61% believe this decline is due to declining family values. Uh, 57% believe that the, the declining values of America is due to our shallow obsession with celebrities. 55% blame drugs, alcohol, and addictions. 53% says our nation is in a decline because of lack of strong leaders and role models. You know, what came first, the chicken or the egg? 47% says people no longer have a strong work ethic. 89% said they believe in God compared to 98% in 1967. So there is a decline in faith in God. But 70% of the Americans surveyed between the ages of 18 and 29 believe that with hard work, I can accomplish anything. Anything? Hard work, you can accomplish a lot. But to say you can accomplish anything is an exaggeration. We, as believers, to live as the Lord wills, I will do such and such. As He enables us, living in view of His grace, keeping our faith unto Him. We are not in control. Jeremiah a prophet who was called to the nations from his mother's womb had this revelation when he prayed, O Lord, chapter 10, 23, I know the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man who walks to direct his own steps. The basic Bible translated as, O Lord, I am conscious that a man's way is not in himself. Man has no power of guiding his steps. The contemporary English version reads, I know, Lord, we humans are not in control of our own lives. The New Living Translation says, I know, Lord, that our lives are not our own. We are not able to plan our own course. The Good News Bible renders, I know that none of us are in charge of our own destiny. None of us have control over our own life. The Message Bible says, I know, God, that mere mortals can't run their own lives, that men and women don't have what it takes take charge of life. There is a God and we are not that God. The sooner we realize that, the better. The sooner we surrender to Him and begin to pursue His will and put our faith in Him in all things and for all things and to all things, the better it is for us, the better it is for His purposes to be expedited in the earth and the more enjoyable life does it mean you'll never have problems? No. It means you'll overcome everything. You're going to come to a place of surrender anyway, so the sooner the better. My prayer is that this word takes root in each of our hearts, that when we are tempted to compare ourselves to other people, that we resist that temptation because God is in control. When we're tempted to be envious or jealous, that we resist that and let God be in control when we're tempted to doubt and cower in unbelief at the circumstances of life, that we resist that because God is in control. When we're tempted to be angry because our prayers aren't answered as quickly as we'd like for them to be, that we repent of that and let God be in control.
Let God be true and every man a liar. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you, Lord, that you are like no other. That your intelligence is beyond our understanding. Your power is greater than our comprehension. Bring us to a place today, Lord, of fresh yielding and surrender to your will being done in the earth and in our lives. Lord, take our messes and make messages out of them. Take our tests and make testimonies. God, as we give you every situation that we're trying to control, that we can't control, we surrender to you, Lord, and let you Bring us to a place of rest where we lay down all frustrating things. A place of peace. And a place of surrender where we don't resist you. I pray that we give you control of our homes, of our families, of our children, of our co-workers. Lord, as pastor, I need to give you control of the church. <laughs> this is your church, your people. Help us, Lord, to do your will. We humble ourselves before you this morning. In Jesus' name. We're going to conclude service with dedicating a baby, little Rowan. Alan Dragstrom is here with his parents. Can the family come forward? Joseph presented you in the temple, Lord, so we present Rowan Allen here in this house that represents your temple in the earth. We pray, Lord, for his health, his mind, his body, his organs, all the systems that are physical. Pray, Lord, for a long life. Pray, Lord, for a revelation of your will for him. Pray, Lord, for wisdom for this mother, this father, that they would grow in the knowledge of you and your will for their children. In Jesus' name, Lord, I pray that they would raise up mighty disciples for your glory. Lord, we pray for special blessings for Will and Allen, Dragstreet. In Jesus' name. dedicate you to Jesus for his purposes. Use him for your glory. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for blessing Alan Cameron, this man child. Bless you.
Yes. 